Hola, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to live in the middle of a developing tourism town? Sounds great, right? Well, it doesn't come without challenges. Like most people listening, I had a steady job, lots of stress, worked my ass off so I could enjoy vacations. One day, I came to the realization that I needed to embed myself into a vacation permanently, so that's what I did. Now my home is San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. It's a small town on the Pacific coast with a population of about 15,000 people. I have a small sailboat charter business which pays the bills and leaves a bit left over to cover my habits. And even though we call it paradise, Nicaragua is still a third world country. So picture this, 36-year-old Texas guy and his two trusty Labradors are transplanted into a developing country and they're trying their hardest not to stick out like sore thumbs. These are the stories of what life is like, some good, some bad, but all entertaining. So sit back, relax, and live vicariously through me for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. And I promise you, this stuff can't be made up. Santa is over, and I'm back in San Juan. And from everything I've heard, I made the right decision by leaving. Recent reports say that the headcount of people who came to San Juan del Sur between the dates of March 20th and 27th was 451,000. 451,000 people came to San Juan between the dates of March 20th and 27th. Seven days. Incredible. So I got back home to no internet. And now it's just become working again. And it's just now started to work consistently. For like two and a half days, it would work for two hours and stop, and then go really slow and then stop. And I called the internet guy. Of course, they were working on it. You know, it's hard because Semana Santa just ended, whatever that means. I don't know, but it's a great excuse for them to not do what they're supposed to do. So I mentioned before I left that I was going to go to Tikal, which were the Mayan ruins in Guatemala, and then head over to San Pedro, Belize, for what I thought was going to be some beach time. But there's no beaches there. It's all rocks and docks. So at first I was going to fly into Guatemala and then ride the bus all the way back to Managua with some friends. But after they got there, he wrote me and said, Bro, the buses are so bad. Take a plane. And I guess I should back up a little bit. I haven't talked about him, I don't think, at all, maybe a little bit. His name is Wojtek. This is my buddy from Poland who's traveled all over the world, and he's now found his home in Nicaragua. It used to be San Juan del Sur, and now it's Granada. But he's the one that convinced me to go on this trip. It was him, his girlfriend, and his buddy Lucas from Poland. 
And this podcast is going to be more about Polish people than anything else. Because I got to see their culture and how different it is. And they're hilarious people. They're hilarious and they're super tough. And they're just hard. They're just hard people. They're not soft. They're not touchy. They're not romantic. They're Eastern European badasses. So I'm going to try to follow the correct order of events. But the way I do this is I just type notes into my iPad as things happen. And sometimes they get out of order. Sometimes they're not. But just bear with me. It should all tie together at the end. So my plan of attack was to fly from Managua to Flores, Guatemala, meet up with the gang, spend a couple nights in Flores, go to Tikal, go to Belize, spend a couple of days there, go back to Flores and fly back to Managua. And if it sounds like it's a lot of traveling, it was. So the first day of travel was my house to the airport in Managua. Then I flew from Managua to El Salvador, changed planes, had like 20 minutes there. And then El Salvador to Guatemala City, had like four hours there, and then Guatemala City to Flores. One thing that's funny about these low-cost carriers in Central America is that they load the planes an hour early. I'm not exaggerating. Literally an hour early, they start loading the plane. So you get in there, and you sit down, and you get settled down, and then you just start twiddling your thumbs. Time goes by, and they, they're steadily loading. It's not like they load it, and then people just sit there. People just move so slow, but they've, they've figured it out. They have to play the curve so they're not late. And uh, every single flight was on time. Nothing was late. And on these little 50-minute flights, they try their best to serve snacks or drinks. And what they do, once the seatbelt sign gets turned off, they pop up, run to the back, push the cart all the way to the front, start handing out drinks. And bless their hearts, they try their hardest to hand out these little snacks. These little pre-prepared boxes that have what I thought was going to be a sandwich and then like some little chip snacks type things and a mint, which is great. You know what? It's a 50-minute flight. It's nice of them to do that. I wouldn't have expected it. So I get my box and I open it. I'm like, oh, it's a little sandwich. And I open the package and I reach in and I pull it out. I'm like, I wonder, wonder what kind of sandwich this is. So I open it and all it is is two pieces of cheese and some mayonnaise on the bread. I thought to myself, well, they forgot my turkey or ham or something. I looked over at my neighbors, same thing. Looked over at his neighbors, same thing. And I almost wish they would have rather just not served the cheesy bread with mayo and maybe given an extra package of the chippy snacks things that I could have saved. And the chip snacks things were like, almost like Chex snacks mix, but not quite as high quality with some random Doritos in there mixed in, and some raisins. That was quite odd, but I ate it. Kept me going. But by the time I got to Guatemala City, I thought to myself, man, I'm hungry. I need to eat something. So I go to the little, I think the name of the place was called GT Air Dogs. And I guess that means Guatemala Airport Hot Dogs. I don't know, but they, on their menu, they had nachos, hot dogs, and paninis. And so I sit down and go, I'll have some nachos. No. Oh, do you not have nachos? No, sorry, we don't have nachos. It's not possible. So I said, okay, I'll have a hot dog. No, sorry, not possible. (laughs) Okay, what do you have? Paninis. 
okay, I'll have a panini. She's like, do you want ham and cheese? And I said, yep, I'll have both, ham and cheese, one sandwich. Okay. She scurries back to the back, preparing it. And she comes out and brings it out. It's a regular panini bun. Looks pretty good. It's been put in the press. The cheese is melty. But the meat is like the thinnest, tiniest, baby-sized portion of rectangular processed ham you have ever seen. It was just saddening. And I've seen them do it. They do the same thing at Subway. The Subway meat portions are about one-fourth of what they are in the States. And you know what? Maybe we don't need to eat that much meat. I don't know. But it's hard when you expect to have a meaty sandwich. When you pay like, I paid $7 for this thing. And it was just depressing. But I stayed in there because of the free Wi-Fi. So basically I paid 7 bucks. Got a cheesy bread with a hint of ham. And got to use the Wi-Fi for four hours. And on my way back through... I had the Wi-Fi password plugged into my iPad. So I just posted up right outside of Air GT Dogs and jacked their Wi-Fi. <laughs> so really I got 350 per four hours. I'll show them. Also, whenever I landed in Guatemala from El Salvador, I just changed planes and I never went through customs. And when I thought about it, I thought, man, this could be a problem whenever I go to check out of Guatemala into Belize by bus. But then I said, you know what, I'll just take my ticket stubs. I've got all three boarding passes right here. They show the date. They show my name. They've got everything on them. If I have any problems, I'll just show them these, and they'll probably let me go. So just take note of that situation as it will come up later. So I finally arrive in Flores, Guatemala, about 745 I find a taxi to take me to the hotel. I say, hey, you know where such and such hotel is? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, get in. I get in, so he starts driving, and he's driving. I'm starting to see the same stuff twice. And that point in which you know that your taxi driver doesn't really know where he's going, and you've been traveling for 12 hours, you get a little grumpy. And so I said, do you know where this hotel is? See, see, see. I said, why are we going in circles? Well, I thought it was over here, but I'm not really sure. Okay. Here's the phone number. Why don't you call them? So he calls them to give him directions, and he goes right there. I don't understand why he wouldn't have asked beforehand, but who am I to question why these people do the things they do? So I meet up with Lucas, Wojtek, and Catherine, who is Wojtek's girlfriend, get settled into the hotel. And one thing that I'm kind of figuring out is that I'm okay with low-quality hotels for a low price. I used to only want to stay in the really nice places. I used to only want to stay with a king-size bed and a good view. But now I'm figuring out, as long as it's got a comfortable bed and a private bathroom, I don't really care. Because when you travel, your lodging is the most expensive part of the whole trip. And so on this particular trip, I don't think I ever paid more than... $40 a night anywhere that I stayed. And it was pretty cool. I was proud of that. I did the whole trip for a very affordable price because I was willing to sacrifice a nice bed. So at the end of the year, if you save some money on a few vacations, you could probably squeeze another vacation out of your savings. 
Now, I do have standards, no cockroaches, but that's really about it. I'm happy to stay at low-quality places. Don't get me wrong, I still like the nice places, too. After the end of this trip, for my last night in Flores, I tried to find the most expensive hotel I could find, but they were full. So everything's fine. I meet up with them. We go out. We get some dinner. We go back. Get to bed pretty early because we wanted to get to Tikal early in the morning before it's too hot and before it's too crowded. So my alarm went off at 4.30. I get up. I get dressed. No one else is ready. I go knocking on doors. I wake them up. I guess they all slept through their alarms or whatever. And I was kind of secretly hoping they would say, oh, let's just go later and I could go back to bed. But they didn't. They got up and got moving. So it was about an hour, hour and a half bus ride from our hotel to Tikal. We get there right when the sun's coming up. We got there about 6 o'clock. And the guy who was driving the van was asking everyone who all wants a guide. And we were the only people in the van that did not want a guide. And I was on board with that. Of all the ruins that I've been to, the guides just slow you down. They don't answer the questions that you ask. They just have a random set of facts they spew out. And when you start asking questions, a lot of times they don't know. So this guy got all offended, and he just told us to go. You guys go. You don't want guides. You just go ahead. So we're like, okay. So we went off. And I bet throughout the day, we probably walked three, four miles. We got a huge map, found our way around. And they were pretty incredible. You know, I'm kind of getting to the point of once you've seen some Mayan ruins, you've pretty much seen them all. But these were big, and they were pretty elaborate, and it was cool. I'll never pass up a chance to see ruins, but... I don't know if I'll make any more specific trips just to see him. But anyway, so my buddy Wojtek, who is a mixed martial arts trainer, he's been doing it since he's like seven. He loves to fight, but he's older now. He's like 35, you know, but he used to love to fight, and you could just tell. He, he reminds me exactly of a friend from back home. That's the exact same mentality. Super nice guy, big heart. But it's just got a hot temper. And he loves to fight and he's really good at it. But anyway, his buddy Lucas from Poland came down for this trip. And he's staying for a couple more weeks. But this is the first time that I've ever seen two guys from Eastern Europe or Poland interact with each other. And it is so funny because they don't cut anyone any slack. There's not much forgiveness and they are just blunt. So to give you an example... Lucas, who's about 6'3", 6'4", he's a tall guy. He's got big feet. We were up on top of these ruins, and there was a little fence that basically separated where we were standing from an edge that was a huge drop-off, like maybe 10 stories. And Lucas was trying to get close to that railing so that somebody could take a picture of him and get the background, and it would look like he was really on the edge. So he's squirming up against the railing, and it breaks. It's like this wooden rickety rail. And Wojtek says to him, of course, it was in Polish, and I didn't know what in the heck they were saying until afterwards. I asked him because they were going back and forth, and I, I can't even attempt to imitate Polish accents, but it's, it's funny. It's super funny language. And I said, Wojtek, what did you tell Lucas? And he goes, oh, I told him to be careful. His feet are too big, and he's too tall, and he gets close to the edge. He will fall down. He's clumsy, and he will die. <laughs> And I said, really? He said, yes, I had to tell him because he's stupid. He's standing too close to the edge. And I was like, wow. And so then I asked Wojtek, what did he say back to you? He said, he told me to shut up and that I'm stupid and that he will throw me over the edge if I don't shut up. And that's where their conversation ended. 
But it was like that the entire time. So we got back from Tikal. It was probably around 4.30, 5 o'clock. And everyone was exhausted because we'd been walking all day. It got hot. It was sunny. We went out, got some dinner, went back to bed, and then our bus was supposed to pick us up the next morning at 7 o'clock to head to Belize. So we're all out there waiting at 7 o'clock, no bus, 7.15, no bus, 7.45, no bus, 8 o'clock, no bus, 8.15, bus shows up. After a phone call to the bus company asking them where the bus was, they replied with, oh, we didn't have you on the schedule, but we'll tell him to come by. He's got room. So it was supposed to be an air-conditioned bus. That's all we know was supposed to be air-conditioned. It shows up. It was not an air-conditioned bus. And it was this old, crappy bus that you don't see in America, but they're maybe 25-seaters. And it was probably a 1978 model. And there's no padding on the seats. And the seats are double. They call them double seats, but they're really wide enough for like one and a half people. And so I get on the bus, and every single seat has one person in it. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I hate being that guy that has to look around and pick someone who to sit with. And I hate having to make my decision, but I always look for the smallest guy. And so that's what I did. I found this little Asian dude. I sat down next to him. I put on my headphones and listened to Led Zeppelin the whole way. And if you haven't listened to Led Zeppelin recently, you're not living. So what I'm going to encourage everyone to do, well, I've got two ideas. The first one is I've come to realize that people these days, at least in my age bracket, I don't think they listen to enough music. I think it's a lot of talk radio, some podcasts, talking on the phone in the vehicle, texting while you're driving, thinking about work. And so what I want to challenge everyone to do is starting out every day just for one song, turn off your phone when you're in the vehicle, or if you don't, if you're not in the vehicle and you're not being distracted a lot, you get distracted at home, turn off your phone, your iPad, whatever. Turn everything off so you can't dis- get distracted. And just listen to one song in its entirety. One song that you like, one song that you've never heard. Just do it once per day. And then try to go after a week or two, go two a day and then three a day. Even if you're up to three a day, that would mean that your phone's only off for like 12 minutes out of the day. And I don't care who you are. You can go 12 minutes a day with your phone off. And just listen to some music. And don't think about work. Don't think about your home life. Just think about the music. And so what I also want everyone to do is think about someone in your life who knows music pretty well and knows you pretty well and would have some suggestions for you. And so this week, what I'm going to do every week, hopefully, if I remember, is to put the suggestions out there. And so this week, what I want you to do is contact the person in your life that knows more about music than you do and likes music and ask them for three Led Zeppelin songs that they don't think you've ever heard. And then just listen to those three songs. One per day, turn your phone off, listen to one, and then start over. And then so by the time you listen to them two or three times, ask for some more, and then I'll give out some more artist suggestions. I know nobody's probably going to do this, but if you do, I think you'll appreciate it. And I know a lot of you out there may not be big fans of Led Zeppelin, but I think that's because you haven't heard a lot of their music. 
It's timeless, I'm telling you. It's, I, I think that if Led Zeppelin released their music today, it would be just as popular as when they released it. Because it's like raw talent. Okay, so we're riding down the bumpy road on the hot, crappy bus with hard seats. And we come up to the Guatemala border. And we get out. And you wait in line. And you give them your passport. And sure enough, they saw that I had never been stamped into Guatemala. Because when I landed, the customs was closed. And I just went with it. So they figured it out. Here comes the big boss, man. Big boss man's asking questions. When did I get here? What did I do? I show him my tickets. It's not good enough. He wants to charge me a fine, $26. I said, okay, I need to see something in writing. Where are you, where are you getting that number from? He's like, okay, yeah, you want to see something? And these people, whenever you challenge them, no matter how sweetly you are, when you challenge them, they get all huffy and puffy. So he goes and gets this book. It's this ratty old book from 1994. That's not an exaggeration. I saw it on the cover. And he showed me his $26 fine. So I said, okay, here, try to give him $26. Oh, no, no, no. You have to go pay the bank. (sighs) Okay, where's the bank? It's over there across the street. Walk over there across the street, wait in line, pay the bank, come back, take the receipt to customs, and then finally they get all my stamps and everything sorted out. But I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. But why do they have to charge a fine? Because that's how they make money. So we finally get to Belize after a seven-hour bus journey. Get everything sorted out. Get checked into our hotel. We rented this big room with four beds in it. And it worked out to $20 per night per person. And it was great. Lucas and I slept in the bunk beds. And Wojtek and Catherine slept in like a king-size bed. So the place where we were is called Ambergus K. And that's just a big skinny island off the coast of Belize. Oh, we had to take a ferry. I forgot. We had to take a ferry from Belize City to Ambergus Cay, which was an additional hour and a half ride on a super fast, bumpy boat. So the city on Ambergus Cay that we were is called San Pedro. And it's pretty touristy. But I will say that Belize is pretty cool. It's on the Caribbean side, obviously. And it's got the Caribbean feel. So the people are, they're black and they speak, they speak Spanish, Creole, and English, and it's a weird English that, like, Jamaican-sounding, but it's, the accent's so strong that even I have a hard time understanding them. And the food in Belize is delicious. It's had influence from a couple other countries over the years. UK, I think maybe India, I'm not sure. And then all their influence from the Caribbean, and so the food is good. They've got a fusion of, uh, they had a lot of like pupusas, which is El Salvadorian, a lot of Indian food, a lot of Caribbean jerk type food. And then so the, what I suspect is that the, the British influence of Belize has taken all these ethnic dishes and perfected them to the likings of gringos. And so if you get off the beaten path, everything's cheap. You can eat for five bucks. You're not going to be looking at the water. You're probably going to be kind of hot when you're eating because it's not going to be air-conditioned. But it's good food, and it's reasonably priced. But in the touristy areas, prices are double, even triple. I walked into a little supermarket, and I bought a watermelon, a papaya, some dark chocolate, and some local cheese, and it was 30 bucks. And I didn't really realize how much it was until I got back to the hotel, and I said, whoa, 
That was $30. So they stick it to the tourists, definitely. But I did enjoy eating at all the local spots. The food was good. So far, it's the best food I've ever had in Central America. And so this hotel that we stayed at is kind of like a hostel, kind of. And I know people from the States don't really get hostels. They don't understand them. They think of a scary movie that came out 10 years ago. But hostels can be a good way to travel if you're on a budget or if you just don't want to spend money. And this particular place is kind of like that. It's got like a community kitchen area with a big refrigerator that you can put your stuff in. Um, Got some couches outside of this big porch, hammocks everywhere, a big grassy yard where they have uh, the beanbag toss game. I think it's called Cornhole. And so it's pretty cool. But before living in San Juan del Sur, I didn't understand that method of lodging or that style. And I would have been anti-hostel from the get-go. But I have friends here that own hostels. I go there all the time. I hang out with my friends. And I see what it's like. And most of the people there are younger. But if you look around, you can find places that kind of cater towards the older crowds. And that's what this place was. It wasn't a bunch of 17-year-old backpackers. There was people there from ages of probably 20 to 45. And so you get to make friends and you meet people and you hang out with them. And a lot of times these hostels have, you know, free rum punch on Thursday nights. You sit around and drink some rum punch and play beanbag toss. So it was pretty cool. But the whole point is that had I not spent so much time in San Juan del Sur around these hostels, I would have never thought about staying at one. But I was totally okay with it. And it was super cheap. So the first day we spent kind of just getting acquainted with the island uh, Wojtek wanted to go scuba diving. He's a dive master. His buddy scuba dives, and they were training the, his girlfriend how to scuba dive also. So they wanted to go scuba diving. So instead of just going to one dive shop and picking a package and going with it, we had to go to like seven different places so Wojtek could negotiate the price down. So from where we started to where we ended up at, after two hours of negotiation, was like $10 less per person. And, you know, there's some people out there that they just thrive on negotiating and getting a good deal. And I think Wojtek's one of those guys. He wants to make sure he's not getting pushed around, he's not getting bullied, and he will beat you down so he can get the best price possible. And I'm kind of the opposite. If I walk into a place and I'm satisfied with their price, then normally I'll just go with it. Now, if we're talking about a big purchase and it's a considerable amount of money, then, of course, yeah, negotiate. But I definitely would not negotiate for two hours over $10. My time's worth more than that. So we get all hooked up. The next day we go out. They're scuba diving and I'm snorkeling, but we're in the same water. So I can still see them. They're only like 15, 20, 30 feet down. But I got the scuba diving bug. I saw them doing it and I saw how easy it looked. I thought, man, I got to try it. It's going to be fun. One day I'll do it. I'll get certified. But I didn't want to spend the money on this trip. But I definitely have the desire to do it now. The snorkeling was pretty cool. We went to an area where they feed the fish and the nurse sharks come out and they are all over the place. Six, seven, eight foot nurse sharks all around and big rays. There's some stingrays, some eagle rays and there's certain fish you can touch and certain fish you're not supposed to touch. But I touched a nurse shark and it felt like sandpaper. I was expecting it to be smooth, slimy like a dolphin, but it was like coarse. But I enjoyed it. It was, um, it's always cool to swim with the fishes. Well, come to find out, there's this culture that I just learned about in all through Europe called hooligans, the hooligan culture. 
And so these are people that support their local soccer or rugby teams that are such fanatics about it that they will fight. There's these hardcore gangster-type guys that love to fight, and they look for a reason to fight. And so they will organize a fight. Like, you send 30 guys, we'll send 30 guys. We're going to meet at this park, and we're going to fight on behalf of our team. So they wear their team colors, whatever soccer team they're rooting for. They meet, and they just brawl, and they fight, and they fight, and they fight until everyone's bloody, and whoever can walk away is the winning team. And so that is, like, ingrained in their culture. So Lucas and Wojtek were just going back and forth the whole time. And I asked them, is there any chance of you guys fighting? And they're like, no, 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 we're not going to fight. But these hooligans are ruthless. They hate the cops, they destroy things, and they fight everywhere they go. So the opposing team travels to play a game. These hooligans follow them or go with them. And no matter who wins and who loses, there's always a fight. Because the losers talk trash because they lost, and the winners talk trash because they won. So it's just a recipe for disaster. And I had never really heard about how serious this was, but I guess like in the 80s and 90s, it got out of control. They had to like take some measures to stop it, and I don't know what they did, but it got pretty brutal. And so I think the competitiveness is just something that's ingrained in them. And so we had a, a tournament, a one-on-one beanbag toss tournament, and my goal was to beat everyone and not talk trash. And that's exactly what I did. But it's funny because Wojtek's girlfriend was like cheering for him. He's like, he's beating me like 12 to 0 when you play to 21. Beating me 12 to 0. And then I kind of start coming back a little bit. It's like 12-6. And she's like, oh, he's coming back. And Wojtek's like, don't worry. I will take him. I will crush him. I was like, are you going to crush me, huh? Yes, yes, yes. I will crush you. I said, okay. So I come back. I come back. And I beat him. And I go, you're still going to crush me? He goes, shut up. And <laughs> walked away. And he wasn't mad. Well, I think he was kind of mad, but not hooligan fighting mad, just a little disappointed. He's very competitive. Lucas is competitive, and Wojtek's girlfriend is competitive. So then we played teams. It was me and Lucas versus Wojtek and his girlfriend. And the whole time she was talking trash, yipping and yapping, yipping and yapping. And finally, I beat her. And I said, that's it. We're done playing. You're done talking trash. I've beat you guys like seven times. I'm undefeated. We're done. Keep your mouth shut. And walked away. And we all kind of laughed about it. But I was serious. I was tired of the trash talking because I was destroying them fools. And apparently, there's a lot of people in Poland that Lucas and Wojtek called the haters. And Polish people aren't known to be adventurous. They don't leave Poland. They grow up in the same town that they were born in. They never leave. They take their parents' house. They remodel some rooms. They add on a little bit. And so Lucas and Wojtek post pictures just about all these adventures that they're going on just for the haters, just to get the responses of the people who are dissatisfied with their own lives so they hate on Wojtek and Lucas' lives too. And so it's funny to watch them kind of converse with each other before they're posting pictures, and they try to find the most flagrant, braggy, look-at-me picture they can find. And they, call, they, they say they're posting it for the haters. And I think that's hilarious because, I mean, most people, when they post a cool picture, they don't think in their mind, oh, I'm bragging about this. Look at me. Or maybe they do. I don't know. But they specifically post pictures that look like they're bragging just to get a rise out of the people that hate on them. And to me, that's highly funny.
So after a few days in Belize, we get things wrapped up. It's time to now get on our bus to go back to Flores, Guatemala. And when we booked our ticket, we sat down with the guy. We showed him, look, we're tired of these crappy buses. We want this bus. And, you know, we showed him a picture on the pamphlet that he gave us of all the buses they have. We said, we want this bus. When does it come? He said, it'll be here at 10 o'clock on whatever, Monday. Okay, that's the bus we want. Will this be the bus that gets here? Because these guys are notorious for telling you one thing and then selling you something else, and they'll never have to deal with you again because you'll never be back because you're on vacation or you're a tourist or whatever. So they don't care. They have their money. You're gone. They'll never see you again. So we suspected that was going to happen, and we were right. The guy said we were getting this bus, and another crappy little bus showed up. And Wojtek was furious. So we go running back down to the little Indian man's bus station terminal deal and go off on the guy. And we're saying, you know, you knew this was going to be this bus. You screwed us over. He's like, ah, 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 He didn't really have an answer. So we go round and around. We're just lashing this guy with our tongues. And finally he agrees to give us our money back. But then we're like, well, we can't get our money back because we have to get on this bus. So give us half of our refund. He's like, no, I'm not giving you a refund. So we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But in the meantime, the bus and the people on the bus has been waiting for us for like 20 minutes. So now they're starting to get antsy. There's these two girls in the bus, and they're hollering and screaming like, come on, let's go. You've been holding us up. Get on the bus. You're so rude. And then so now Wojtek's yelling at these girls and the Indian guys. Well, then about that time, there's these three Israeli people on the bus, and they start griping at Wojtek too. And I'm thinking, this guy's about to turn into Incredible Hulk and throw all of you people off this bus, so you might want to shut up. Finally got them all calmed down. Everyone, you know, just kind of stopped talking, put on their headphones. We pull into a gas station, and I think, I've got to defuse the situation. So I was like, who wants beers? And they all kind of looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I'm buying beers, guys. Who wants some? So I ran in, bought drinks for everyone, and then everyone kind of got along from there on out, except for one Israeli girl. She didn't speak any English. She only spoke a little bit of Spanish. And when you think of the wicked witch of the West and how rude and mean she is, that's this girl. She stole Lucas's seat. Lucas is pretty tall. His knees were like in his chest, so he had a seat that would like allow him to stretch out his knees. She like stole his seat when we stopped. And he's like, hey, can I get my seat back? She said, no, this is my seat now. We're like, okay. So the seat just happened to be right in front of me, and I made sure to dig my knees into her back the entire time. And three or four times she turned around to try to talk to me and tell me to stop, but I just ignored her, just looked past her like she wasn't even there. At one point, we stopped the bus, everyone go to the bathroom, and she opens the door, the sliding door, and tries to sit in the bus and smoke a cigarette. And I was like, no, get outside. That's disgusting. So she mumbled something in her language. I pushed her out of the door and closed it in her face, and she was all mad. So for the rest of the ride, she rode up front with the driver. And he loved the attention, because she wasn't exactly hard on the eyes. She was just a royal bitch, but he didn't care. So when we get to the border, going from Belize back to Guatemala, we had to get out, go through the whole line, the process again. And she couldn't understand what was taking so long. And I'm thinking, this is your first time in Central America. So she's like walking the front of the line, looking around, walking the back. Walking the front, looking what's around the corner, walking the back. And I can see the two ladies at the immigration getting kind of frustrated with her. So they're talking amongst themselves. And finally I hear one say, oh, she doesn't like to wait? She's in for a big surprise. 
So right when she gets up to the desk, they both walk off and go on a lunch break. And she's just sitting there, <laughs> fuming, and we're all high-fiving each other. And so now she held up the bus. So when, when she gets back on the bus, we gave her a tongue lashing, just like she did to Wojtek. She didn't like it. But one thing about the, their culture, the Israelis, is I don't think that they have, I don't think the words please and thank you are even in their vocabulary. I've heard this before from some of my friends who own hostels. A lot of times they won't even let them stay there. They're just, uh, they're just rude. And maybe they're not rude in their own mind, but it's rude to everyone else around them. So we're riding down the highway, and one of them taps me on the shoulder and points to the window and goes, open, open. And I go, excuse me? Like, window, open. And I just turned back around and didn't open the window. And they're, like, trying to weasel their hands past my shoulders to get to the window. And I'm, like, jamming his fingers onto the wall of the bus. I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. So I turn around and I go, do you know how to say please? He goes, open. <laughs> and I said, okay, enough. So I just turned back around, went back to my Led Zeppelin, and let them have control of the window. I just don't have time for people that don't say please or thank you. And if it's, like, not part of their culture but part of mine, that's fine. I still don't have to have time for them. I'm not just going to accept the fact that they're going to order me around. So, Sadi. So I figured it out. On a seven-day trip, I spent 44 hours of it in transit. No, 48. 48 hours total in transit. That's a lot. It's a lot of traveling for a short trip. But it was cool. I enjoyed Tikal, and I enjoyed Belize. And now I have one and a half days to find a place to live. My lease is expiring. I've been frantically looking for a place. I haven't had much luck. I've got a couple... Eh, maybes. But I'm waiting to hear back from one person. Luckily, it's not like moving in the States. You don't move furniture and all your crap. It's just clothes and whatever kitchen accessories you have and then all my podcast crap. So, day after tomorrow, I suspect I'll be moving. It should only take a couple hours. Not sure where I'm moving to, but I can't stay here. All right, today's show went on a little bit longer than usual. Luckily, I'm not going to charge any extra. Thanks again for listening. Life in Paradise podcast. Check out our website, nikasaleandsurf.com. If you need music suggestions, email me, nikasaleandsurf at gmail.com. Otherwise, pick three Led Zeppelin songs and listen to them a couple times before the next podcast. I don't think you'll regret it. And turn your phone off every now and then. It's good for you. Thanks again. Keep it tranquilo. Yeah.